Hello and welcome to the Purpose Driven Leaders Podcast. I am Kelly Cazares, founder of Iconic Women, Women's Leadership Expert and Growth Catalyst. Each week I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you break through to your next level of leadership and lead with more confidence, purpose and fulfillment. We don't wait for people to tell us how to lead. We power up and serve with the gifts that we have been given. Now it's time to unapologetically own the leader that you are, be the person to fulfill your mission and unlock your brilliance. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of Purpose Driven Leaders. I have an incredible one for you this week. And you all know how passionate I am about women in leadership and helping them rise into their full potential, not only in their careers, but also their personal life. And Amanda, who I have on today, Amanda Bleasing is an absolute powerhouse. Amanda is a speaker and an expert on all things self-promotion for executive women. As a former CEO, now entrepreneur, executive coach, and mentor, she truly understands the tightrope that many women walk on their pathway to the top. Her blogs go viral, her retreats get rave reviews, and her one-on-one mentoring clients frequently sign up for more as they tackle their career goals more easily with many pitching for and winning pay rises, promotions, and plum assignments for the first time in their careers. Today, Amanda is going to talk about going from invisible to invincible. We're going to be speaking all about self-promotion and other juicy leadership topics for women that we're both really passionate about. We're here to move the needle on women in leadership, not only in Australia, but across the globe. So we're going to dive in, get comfy, grab a pen or grab your laptop and let's Excellent. We're live. Well, welcome, Amanda, to Purpose Driven Leaders. It's amazing to have you on for today's episode. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really, really excited to chat with you. Um, I guess I first saw you, I think we had a number of connections in, in common and your work always stood out as it was similar to the work that I do, but also slightly different. And your message was just absolutely unstoppable for what I believe is really important for women in leadership. So I'd love for, for you to share a little bit about your story and, and how you came about to doing what you do, Amanda. Oh, Kelly, thanks. And I'm really delighted that you... Uh, not only to be here, but also that you could see uh, what I stand for. Because that's one of the things that I teach executive women, like stand out for all the right reasons and be really clear. What do you stand for? Why is that important? And how do you add value? And when you're really clear about it, other people are attracted to that. Uh, And it's a really good uh, career tactic. Uh, We don't want to get a seat at the table because no one knows what we stand for. We want to get there because we've got a platform and because we want to make a difference and that people know that we can. All right, so a little bit about me. Um, I... My career came through the association sector, you know, the peak body world. So the the membership association that you might join uh, when you want to be, you know, get professional insights and professional development. So I spent, what, 16, 17 years in that sector, maybe 20 years. And um, 
my last role was as CEO of the uh, customer care peak body for consumer professionals. And one of the things I absolutely loved was that consumer professionals are not always the most liked people in a business. They're often the meat and the sandwich. They're the ones that take the, the, the pointy complaints calls or the, they deal with all the complaints that the organisation might get. Now, complaints are great data, but you can imagine that perhaps they're taking calls from irate customers and perhaps they're feeding information back to the business that the business doesn't necessarily want to hear. So they're often the meat and the sandwich. Now, one of the things that I absolutely categorically admired about the men and the women in that sector, especially those in leadership roles who had been in the sector for a long time, was their sense of purpose, their clear sense of why they did what they did. And my career in the association sector, while it was nice and I'd had great career progress, you know, with my last role as CEO, um, I didn't feel that sense of purpose. I didn't feel that deep sense of why. I wasn't fighting a good fight. Uh, I didn't really know why I was doing what I was doing. And all of a sudden I went, after six years in that, uh, that particular organisation, I thought, I want me some of that. I want to have that clear sense of purpose, like my members and the leaders and the consumer explain. So I set myself up because uh, it, helping women to really advance their careers because that was something I could get passionate about and really could get behind. Amazing. And I love how you brought up the purpose piece. And I have to ask you, Amanda, what is your purpose? What, what is the, the... So my mission... Yes. So my mission is to really uh, help women play a much bigger game uh, to, mm. with big impact big vision and bucket loads of confidence because we know that uh, I, I call it the feminine ambition trifecta because sometimes people say women aren't as ambitious as men and I call bullshit mm -hmm. on that. In actual fact, I think we just measure it and correlate it and value success and ambition differently. The masculine tends to value or correlate success and ambition with financial gain. Mm -hmm. So I get a, a promotion, it comes with a pay rise Therefore, I am successful. You know, it makes sense, doesn't it? And if there's a job title change, like title, yeah, <laughs> the icing on the cake. And let's face it, we've socialised and have for years, we've socialised our menfolk to think like that and be like that, you know, the breadwinner. However, times have changed and times are different. And for women, yes, we want the money. But if we don't feel like our opinion is heard and valued, if we don't feel like we're actually making a difference, despite the money, we're likely to, more likely to lean out or pick up our bat and ball and go do some, something different. So I call that the feminine ambition trifecta. Yes, we want the money, but yes, we also want to know that our voice is heard and valued and then we're actually doing meaningful work or we're far more likely to go and do something else. Yes. Perfect. And I, I agree. I love your mission. I think it's really important. And we need more women like yourself on this, uh, having a similar mission to be able to create the impact, I guess, that both you and I are, are trying to make as well. It takes, it takes a community or it takes a, a movement, I believe, to really support women. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, and I think, um, absolutely, I th and I think because perhaps women still feel marginalised inside organisations, let's face it, the data still says that you're around 80% of roles, leadership roles are still held by men. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so women inside organisations in leadership roles are still yeah. thin on the ground, you, you cannot see. Uh, but men don't see women as fitting in particularly well or their insights or their impact or their contribution. Men don't necessarily value it because they don't see it so much either. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it, we do need, uh, I guess, a community to support. And different people are... Uh, attracted to different mechanisms so right now it might be they go to your kelly your sorts of insights and your support and then down the track they might go and develop something else or you know go learn negotiation tactics different people are attracted to different things one thought on that i think that when we talk about feminine empowerment and supporting women somehow or other that argument or that notion uh sort of the the negative of that is that we're leaving men behind or missing out on empowering men and some might argue that men don't need more empowerment but let's reframe the gender equity argument it's not just good for women it's good for men women and children as well our businesses perform better for men and women who are the beneficiaries or the stakeholders or the the recipients uh, our society is better and that's better for men and women so feminine empowerment isn't just about women it's about the whole community that, that we live in and so and women cannot just survive but thrive yeah oh look i love that and i agree wholeheartedly on this amanda i have actually have um even though i work predominantly with women i do have a number of male clients who have strong messages in this space actually and who really are champions for gender equality and who are doing absolutely everything that they can to support their female leaders and i think it's not spoken about as much as as you mentioned the feminine empowerment piece i think it's really important to bring it together and to have both men and women as champions of this because it does benefit everybody. So I'm so happy you brought that up. Mm. Um, Amanda, I have to touch on an article that I saw you post this morning on LinkedIn. Now, I, I believe, as I mentioned before, you have a really strong message and it was something that I'll get you to share a little bit more about it, but I think it's not spoken as much. And as you mentioned, having something that you stand for is really important in order to be able to share your voice. And your article is very powerful this morning. So I'd love for you to share a bit about that and just to touch on why you think it's important that organisations are managing um, marginalisation and what leaders can actually do to support other leaders in this and making sure that it's looked at from a holistic perspective. So the, um, the article that you referenced was around uh, what a pink wash. Yes. And the story behind it was I was invited to an event. I was invited to an event to make up the number of women because the organisation and it was called the name of the organisation was had the word progressive in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the organisation problem in the makeup of this dinner attendees obviously that's a great organization at large so that identified that they had the previous year as well and they had invited women to make up the numbers and i had assumed that i would be going along to sit integrated amongst the other guests of which you know 
come in. Uh, and I had assumed that I would be integrated with all the other guests talking about meaty substantive issues, business, government, etc. Um, rather than when I got there, the women were all seated at, a t at one or two tables. We were seated together. <laughs> Yeah. And it was a real shock and age that a progressive organisation, self-titled, self-named progressive organisation, would even think that this was progressive. And when I uh, chatted with one of the organisers, she said it was actually a deliberate, uh, a deliberate strategy because they wanted to create a women's group. I felt sold to yeah. out of me because they wanted to create a women's group and try to sell me a program. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, how can organisations still be getting it so wrong? Mm -hmm. Women want to see it at the table, not just to be the token woman. For I said skill ambition, it's really important that women feel included, uh, their voice is listened to, their opinion is valued, if it's valid, obviously, and actually making a difference. Sitting at the girly table doesn't really help. As much as I loved the, loved the conversation that I did have with the women, it wasn't a thing. Interestingly, I shared that article some months ago with my, with my email uh, database and I have never had an article resonate so much. I got emails left, right and centre from senior level women saying, oh my gosh, I was invited to something too and I was seated at this table on the side with the few women who were attending. Mm. Uh, and it, it was just over and over again I got this same message. And they shared with me the organisations who were, who were doing that. And they were highly respected associations and peak bodies here in Australia. Just simply, remember I said, you know, it, it's, it's benevolent sexism at best and pinkwash at worst. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think that, you know, let's remember, we're not just female leaders. Mm. We don't just lead like women, hyper-feminine way. We are leaders mm. and our voice should be valued because we bring interesting insights, certainly our opinion valued, and our women to have meaty, substantive conversations or let's facilitate women's voice being heard at the highest ends of um, decision-making not just seated at the side table like the kids at Christmas lunch. I love that analogy. I, I feel that it's happening more and as you, you have brought it to light and as you mentioned, you've got an influx of emails on the topic, I think it's really, a, a, I think it's happening more than what people are actually speaking about. And I know that with uh, the, the gender equality metrics that, organizations that are of a certain size need to adhere to. Uh, I'm aware that there's some companies that are doing some really great initiatives and actually walking the talk and implementing programs, they get really great results. And then there's potentially some companies that may be using it as a tick the box exercise. Now I think um, what what could what would you say, Amanda? is going to help when we, when we think about that topic of getting women seats at the table and really having a strong voice and being heard for their brilliance and actually who they are as a leader. And I understand KPMG, they, they were speaking about that women really aspire to lead, but they, they can be hesitant. So when we look at potentially six out of 10 women 
or 64% of women actually aspire to be a senior leader of a company or organization either now or in the future. And more than 54% of women actually want to take a board position. But at the same time, women are really hesitant about taking a leadership role. And more than, I think, even another 50% of those women they're really cautious about taking steps to leadership. So I guess my question, Amanda, I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Number one, what do you think the best approach is for women who are wanting to get a seat at the table? And and two, what would you say women can do to support their growth if they're hesitant about taking steps to really grow their leadership? I think what I'll do, Kelly, is sort of answer the two questions together because they're very similar. Uh, As in, uh, I think the answer that I'm going to give might help answer both questions. So you might remember uh, some years ago, Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman wrote a book called Confidence Code and they pulled together heaps and heaps of research that demonstrates you know this gender confidence gap that women are far more likely to express that they're less than confident that our society supports that um, you know women are uh, women women the activities women take part in and the socialization of women and girls sort of almost supports women being perceived as and or realistically feeling less than confident it was a really you know a, a quite an interesting book if you haven't read it please do but I think what people forget where we read that book, and I think what we forget is the most important part in the critical learning, the fix to low confidence, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a child or not, uh, or an adult, the fix to low confidence is really quite simple. It's action. Just take steps towards your goal of choice. Hesitation will breed less confidence. Uh, So the fix towards uh, getting a seat at the table is to start taking steps. (laughs) Start asking questions, putting yourself out there, perhaps getting, if you want a board position, get yourself onto a non-profit board, uh, a non-profit board as a starting point. But don't underestimate, there is work involved and you are you know, there is risk involved. So, you know, do your research. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the, the, the trick to getting stuff done is to get started and the trick to build, uh, building confidence is action. They two don't go together. So for any woman out there who's hesitating, I really think, you know, just get started. Uh, don't hesitate any longer because the hesitation, in fact, will, will breed or help, uh, you know, boost your lower confidence feelings. Just get started. Just get going. Yes, agree. Perfect. And I, I always say action um, creates clarity because we, I think when people are looking for clarity on the next steps, but they're sitting there, whether it's in fear or in um, lack of self-belief, it's always just start, take one step and then take another step. So no, that that's fantastic. And I, I think the, a big part I see as well, and I think you feel the same when it comes to women actually getting a seat at the table or actually promoting who they are is that self-promotion piece. And I was looking at an article recently where they were talking about the self-promotion gap and 
it's, I think women tend, I find that women tend to hold themselves back, whether they're voicing what they can do, whether they're going for a promotion or whether they're looking at starting a new business. It's, okay, how do I actually get myself out there? And I find women are happy to champion other women and, and talk about how amazing they are. But when it comes to themselves and actually speaking about their achievements and taking their self-promotion to the next level, there's a little bit of a gap there. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, Amanda, and I know the listeners here will really value your expertise on this in terms of what can a leading woman do when she's looking at starting to promote herself a lot more confidently? How would you advise someone who's in that situation? Fantastic. Look, it is my favourite topic at the moment, (laughs) Kelly, because I've just written a book, From Invisible to Invincible, a self-promotion handbook for executive women. So it's all about self-promotion tactics. And my approach is strategic visibility, because I reckon women are given lots of well-meaning but sometimes poor advice that fails to factor in the social stereotypes and norms that really underpin the opportunities available for women. Uh, And so it keeps us really busy, busy, which leaves us flustered, exhausted, worn out up the back of the office, picking up all the pieces while other people get ahead. When in actual fact, no one promotes the worn out, flustered executive who's exhausted doing all the work up the back of the office. Mm. People promote the swan. (laughs) So we do need to learn to self-promote. Research tells us that there's three pieces to this. One is um, executive women don't back themselves particularly well, you know, the self-advocacy piece, the self-belief piece. We don't self-promote particularly well. And there's a whole heap of reasons behind that. You know, like, for example, you know, when uh, you start doing the self-promotion piece, you leave yourself open to criticism because it does breach the social convention for women. You know, it's look at me, look at, look, look at me, look how good I am. You might not say it in that way, but others may interpret that it that way. And others may try and cut you down to size. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're leaving yourself open to. And the third piece is we don't express our expertise particularly well. We don't own our expertise. I've got a little hashtag I like to use to remind women to do that. And it's called hashtag own your own awesome. Uh, So back yourself, sell sell yourself and own your own awesome. Uh, And I think that when you get that little formula right, it's a really good reminder but the, the, there is a lot of uh, socialisation. You know, we hear about women criticising other women. Well, men do it too. But, you know, let's face it, there is a bit of criticism when women uh, start putting themselves out there, becoming more visible, taking a position, taking a stand. So one of the things I recommend in your self-promotion journey is an actual fact. Do, you know, get used to dealing with uh, feedback rejection play the rejection game you know get a little bit of muscle around uh, and resilience around that that we need to be very good at dealing with and reframing pushback uh, because that will be part of your self-promotion journey it's probably the nasty end you know and it can lead itself into you might see very high profile public profile women being trolled just because they're breaching social convention and the social, social norm, they're not really doing anything wrong. They're very, critis- uh, femininity is criticised. Um, and that takes toughness. And, you know, you've got to be a little bit bulletproof to be able to deal with that. Yes. But 
I think that that's a really good first step. The, the next step is that in actual fact to start being more visible. And the third piece is work out what you stand for and lead with what you stand for. Because when we've got a sense of purpose, mm -hmm. we're passionate about it and we're making meaning for a particular audience and we're being really authentic, the whole self-promotion piece becomes a whole heap easier. And you will find that you future-proof your future career aspirations and leadership aspirations a whole heap easier as well. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Amanda. So that's back yourself, sell yourself and own your awesome. Yeah. You've captured that perfectly. And I know, uh, can you let us know your book? We'll make sure that we actually get a link in the notes to your book as well. But can you tell us a little bit about how you or what made you decide to write this book and, and tell us a bit about it again, if you, if you can. So, I mean, I've been working in the feminine empowerment space for some years now, about five and a bit years. And my first book was called Step Up, Speak Out, Take Charge. And that was about, you know, stepping into your own leadership mm -hmm. uh, potential and owning your own journey. As Avril Henry says, no one cares as much about your career as you do. So do something about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I truly believe that's absolutely true. <laughs> and it's, yeah. a, it's a truth that I live my life by. Um, uh, so my second book, though, it was like well, I was working with women and career and they're, you know, owning their own leadership potential and owning their career journey. But there was this piece and it was that piece of research that reinforced what I was seeing. And it was around the self-advocacy, self-promotion and owning and sharing expertise. Yes. And that I went, oh, my gosh, this <laughs> seems to be the piece that women in their career journeys are missing. Um, it, it seems to be it's part of a career strategy. Uh, and I call that the missing 33% um, to capitalise on Susan Colantuono's work. She talked about missing 33% being the financial remit that women get exposed to inside organisations. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's only part of it. But the piece that's missing is the career strategy. We teach women about work. We teach women about an identity outside of work. And that's really healthy. Mm. What we don't teach women about is career strategy. Uh, we don't teach it informally at, at, because most many women don't have lots of female leadership role models in their, in their close remit. So they didn't grow up with it. Mm. Uh, they don't see it very often. And as you, we've already said, you cannot be who you cannot see. It's a little harder. Mm. So the self-promotion piece fits into the career strategy. And uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, you know, some of the underpinnings behind the book. But there was a story, and I want to talk about it because it was, uh, it's actually really critical. It's yeah. around agency. So yeah. when I first got the book, I was working with a real super smart woman on the title of the book, my, my coach. And she and I brainstormed about what the book would be called. Um, and the, the original title was going to be called Noticed for All the Right Reasons. And I loved it. I love that title, Noticed for All the Right Reasons, because it was a self-promotion handbook. It was about how to get noticed. But all of a sudden, I had an awakening, and it was like, it did hit me all of a sudden. And I went, oh, my gosh, let's face it, that sort of encourages you to stand out for being more passive. You're like, it's like, I'm just going to stand here and look beautiful, mm. and I'll be noticed. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to less than actively pursue that notice. I'm going to be noticed 
just because of who I am. You know, I just, it's a nat- it, I'm naturally good at this. Mm-hmm. There's no sense of effort, no sense of trying, no sense of making the notice happen for yourself. And the socialisation of women and girls is very much around that. You know, women, uh, princesses waiting to be rescued. You know, um, men go on quests, women go on causes. Men sweat while women glow. The the socialisation of women and girls is very passive anyway. And I felt that noticed for the right reasons would really encourage us yet again, once again, to just sort of try and put ourselves up there as being good looking or, you know, naturally talented when in actual fact, the people getting all the gold are creating the notice themselves. And what's the gold in this case? Career success, recognition, reward, um, and making a difference. Mm, I love it. I really do like that title as well, Amanda notice for all the right reasons it's very fitting i think as well um but i I really love what it's about and i highly recommend anyone listening to go out and get a copy because amanda's work is very very powerful and i'll I'll read i'll just reiterate the three things that you mentioned so back yourself sell yourself and own your awesome now amanda i'd love to wrap up today's episode with some fierce insights and so our audience can get to know you a little bit better and then I'd love for you to share how we can get in touch with you and how if someone's interested to reach out to you how they can do that so um, I'd love to say what's your favorite book and at the moment and what are you inspired about right now well right now I'm having a blast with Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic. Ah yes. And it's about creativity and untapping your creative potential and I'm just loving it. Elizabeth Gilbert, I think she's coming out to Australia later in 2020. I've got my ticket <laughs> through Business Chicks yeah. giving them a plug. But you know, she's very inspirational. Many of us came across her work with Eat Pray Love and subsequently I've read quite a few of her works and I love this particular book it's inspiring me to uh dip into my creative potential and not just keep reinventing the wheel it's it's really challenging me mm. to think differently about creativity and maybe it can be a learned behavior tapping into something that's already there reading it has reminded me that I, as a kid i used to be incredibly cre- creative and when we get into, uh, you know, the business of making money out of our work or purpose or passion, sometimes we lose creativity. We sacrifice creativity for financial gain. Yes, yes, I know. Oh, um, so, or oh, we're just worn out. <laughs> and I don't, certainly my least creative efforts are, crea- are when I'm worn out. My best efforts are when I'm relaxed and, you know, going to the beach or driving somewhere on a holiday. So I'm far more creative when I'm walking and relaxed than when I'm uh, exhausted and worn out. So Elizabeth Gilbert really inspiring me at the moment. Perfect. And what advice, um, maybe two points, or what advice would you give to a leader who is wanting to level up her performance at the moment? I have a a tactic that I teach my clients um, and in actual fact, I teach it at all my events because I think that this is, uh, this is critical. It, let's face it, if you don't value yourself, others won't either. So we need to start by 
calculating that value. And I work with a lot of women and I work with some men, as do you, Kelly. And I really see a difference in male and female CVs. Men tend to collect financial results of the organisation. So their CVs uh, are full of percentages, dollar values, uh, impact, uh, you know, impact statements. Whereas women, and perhaps this comes back to the sorts of roles that are traditionally available to women, HR, marketing, communications, customer care, the typical things that women, uh, you know, the feminine sorts of roles that are available to women, uh, women haven't historically collected a lot of impact statements or, you know, dollar values or percentage changes and linked it back to the bigger picture strategy of the organisation. So what I encourage my clients to do, and I'm happy to encourage your clients to do the same, is the Friday achievement formula. Every Friday from now until the end of eternity (laughs) um, is ask yourself, what did I achieve this week? Second question is, can I quantify or qualify? So quantification put a number on it you know Beyonce if you if you want it you've got to put a number on it paraphrase (laughs) Um, or qualify if if you can't quantify then qualify did someone in your organization someone high profile was it printed was it featured in the press was there you know is there some other validation did you win an award for it collect the evidence and the third piece is what was the expertise that enabled me to deliver that? What was my, you know, own your own awesome. What was your expertise that enabled you to deliver that result? Why you? So if you get into the habit of every Friday doing a little bit of a journal activity and collecting that evidence, it gets easier. Uh, you can imagine that this is awesome when it comes to performance appraisals. Yes, yes, definitely. It's awesome when it comes to updating your CV. It's Amazing when it comes to nominating yourself for an award. Uh, it's great when it, go, it, when it comes to hitting your boss up for uh, starting to plant the seeds for a pay rise. It's really, really powerful in building your own confidence and building your self-esteem about the value you add to a business. So I reckon we need to start collecting that evidence as soon as you can. Don't wait. Get started next Friday. <laughs> I love that, and I think if you listening to this episode and you didn't capture that, I would rewind, pause and take notes because that is absolute gold, Amanda. Thank you for sharing. And I do something similar with my clients, but the quantified piece is the, the missing piece. And I think it's the most important piece because as you mentioned, when it comes to performance appraisals as well, it just does give that extra oomph behind it to say this is what I've done and these were the results. This is how much money was made or this is how much um, retention in, in people or whatever it might be, but you've got the figures to back up your expertise. So I love that. Thank you. Amanda, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, how can our listeners reach out to connect with you online or offline? Amanda, what's the best way for them to reach you? Fantastic. Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn, as you know, Kelly. So I'm um, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I have some post nominals at the end of my name um, because I'm a fellow of the Risk Policy Institute here in Australia. So Amanda Blessing, that's Blessing with one S, uh, and some post noms. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to you, absolutely. 
And uh, the other place to find me, I'm really, you know, my website and I send out an email newsletter with snippets once a week, uh, insights, goals, tactics for executive women to help them get ahead or decode what we got, might be going wrong because sometimes we need to understand that, make sense of it, and that helps us make our own way out. Um, so my website, amandableasing.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Amanda. Now, if you want to reach Amanda... Yes, LinkedIn and her website. I'll put all the information in the notes so you can you can find Amanda there and make sure that you have a look at her book as well that, that we spoke about. So Amanda, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate it. And um, have, a, have an amazing day and I'll speak to you soon. And thank you, Kelly. It's so good to be talking with another woman who inspires and empowers women too. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Purpose Driven Leaders. Now, if you know someone that is ready to elevate their leadership, please share this episode and show me some love on iTunes. I would be so grateful. You can find me on all social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. I absolutely love connecting with you all. So please don't hesitate to drop me a message or a comment and I will get back to you. Now, for those who are looking to dive deeper into growing their leadership potential, I'm inviting you to my female-only community where I support women in my purpose-driven Women in Leadership group on Facebook where you can come in, you can get personally coached and mentored by me. I will ask any of your questions in a safe, nurturing and empowering environment, only for women at this stage, but it's really supportive where you can grow to your full potential and get help with an incredible group of women to support you as well. So that's Purpose Driven Women in Leadership on Facebook. Come on over, say hi, and thank you again so much for your support.